All right, good morning, everyone, and welcome back uh, for another great episode of Talk to Tatiana. And today I want to welcome Anjanette, also known as AJ Harper, to the show. AJ, welcome. Hi, Tatiana. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, and thanks so much for coming on, on to the show to share your nuggets of wisdom. Um, Happy to be here. Awesome. Awesome. So let's get started. So um, AJ, tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey. Where did it start? When did it start? And, and where you are today? So in 2005, I moved with my wife and 11-week-old baby to Brooklyn, New York from the Twin Cities. And I had made a vow that I would never go back to a regular job. And so uh, with no experience whatsoever in having a business, uh, we'll save for a little daunt, little thing I did once upon a time, but with really no experience, I decided I'll just, I'll just shift the thing I'm writing. I was a playwright at the time. So I thought I'll just be a freelance writer and try and make a living doing that. I didn't want to uh, put my child in daycare. That was really important to me. So I had to find something that I could do when he was sleeping. I think you can relate to that. Um, and so at the time, at the time, there was a, um, a website called Elance. It's called Upwork now. And I just put a little, a little profile up on there. I had no samples. The only writing experience I had was maybe two newspaper articles for a tiny, tiny uh, newspaper in Wisconsin. And then all of the rest were plays. And nobody's going to pay you for that. But I just decided to start. And I listed my profile and then I just started writing and noticing the type of samples people wanted. So I would write them and I just took almost any job that I could get for almost any pay so that I could get the experience and work my way up. And within about, at the time, it was very different then. So this was 2005. Uh, there was only about 25,000 writers on Elance and now I don't even know how many there are on Upwork probably four or five times that. But it was still really hard. You had to get to the kind of top of the list. And to get to the top of the list, you had to have a lot of jobs frequently and good ratings. And so that's why I just kept trying to take stuff and over deliver. And um, within about six months, I had made it pretty high. And then within about a year, I was in the top 10% of writers on Elance. And that's how I got my first ghostwriting job for a book. That would happen within the first year. That's really cool. That's a great, that's a great story. I actually didn't know um, about the daycare and the kid and everything, uh, which is really cool, which is very much aligned with what I've wanted to do. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And so what do you do now? How do you transform people's lives now? Well, that first book, that person asked me to ghostwrite a personal development book. And I didn't know it at the time. And I kind of BS my way into that gig. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I delivered, you know, so that's the, you know, I might have BS my way, but I figured out how to do it. And I wrote a really good book. What I didn't know was how connected she was. And so that led to pretty much the next nine years of my life being just my phone would ring. I never had to do any marketing. So just the, the back behind the scenes referrals started happening because in the ghostwriting world, um, a lot of people are just kind of 
passing along information uh, because I was a true ghost. I, I didn't ever share who I wrote for because I was under strict NDAs. And um, so, so that was great. That first really big book happened to be someone who knew a lot of folks. And then once that referral tree happens, you're just busy all the time. And then I hit the 10 year mark and I decided that I was kind of burned out from ghostwriting for other people. And uh, I think you know that I work with Mike Michalowicz. I'm, I'm right with him. And uh, I didn't want to give up writing with Mike because we have a wonderful collaboration that I just love. So I figured I would just keep writing with him and then I didn't know what else I would do. And he said, you should teach it. And so I said about two years of learning how to break down the systems that I use to write great books so that I could teach it to other people. And now it's been several years that I teach top three book workshop, which is a 14 week course where I share people how teach people how to craft a book, the, the real craft of writing a transformational book that delivers some sort of change, which is a specific type of book that I specialize in writing. Uh, and I also we do some developmental editing and uh, I'm the head writing coach for Heroic Public Speaking, where I also teach about writing transformational scripts. Awesome. Um, and yeah, I would love for you to talk a little bit about why your workshop is called the top three book workshop. Sure. Um, it's, sometimes people th say, well, that's such a silly name, but I actually like it. I, you know, I, one thing you and I have in common is we like what we like and we aren't going to always change our mind just because someone tells us to do it. Uh, but I just, you know, it's that those books you have that you won't part with, or you say, what are your favorite books? You always see these articles and blog posts, my top three favorite business books, my top five fiction books of all time, or lists from experts, their top this or that. And then I started thinking about, um, that's what we want. We don't want just a book. We want to write a book that becomes somebody's favorite in some way. And I wanted to call it at first Desert Island books, you know, the books you'd take with you. But somebody already had that. And then I was talking with Jeffrey Shaw, who you also know. He's um, the author of Lingo and The Self-Employed Life. And, um, and he said, yeah, it's like those books you have on your nightstand and they're always there. And that's the image that I had of, you know, we always have two or three books that we just aren't going to part with. There's an art to writing those. They're not regular books. They're books that stand the test of time. So, you know, that's what I teach people how to do. And so um, what I wanted to, to also kind of to ask you to expand upon was talk a little bit about the myths that people have about writing books and why being a good writer is maybe required, maybe not, but it's, I think, at least I think is not enough. And, and you would probably agree with that. Well, I mean, look, writing a book is a daunting task. Most people, a lot of people want to do it. It's a dream for a surprising amount of people actually want to write a book. But it's very scary, and there are reasons for it, and and good reasons. Uh, it's less about being a good writer and more about the attitude you have toward the process. Now, again, I'm talking about a really specific type of book, a transformational nonfiction book that is is supposed to provide some sort of help to the reader, right? So they'll have by the end of the book some sort of change, a mindset shift, some tangible results, maybe, maybe it's just relief, maybe it's just hope. 
And that's a lot. But it's writing that specific book is what I'm talking about. I have edited fiction, many, many novels, but really my course is about this type of book, which is mostly what, say, entrepreneurs want to write. Um, the key to that is less about writing ability and more about thinking first about what the reader absolutely needs to, for you to provide that promised transformation, whether it's hope, relief, tangible results, a plan, new insights. There's an, a craft to ensuring that you deliver on it, and that's more important than writing ability even, really. Yeah, I totally agree. And um, my experience uh, you know, in your workshop has been uh, – that it, even like for me, I'm not a native English speaker. And so I thought this would be a limitation to writing a book in English, but actually with the help of editors, it's not, it's just a, it's a self-inflicted limitation. I would even say. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, a lot of people don't understand how editing works. And so that's a big point of confusion. And I also think it's a big problem in the industry when you have people who are telling say self-published authors or even some so-called hybrid authors, you don't need this, you only need this quick amount of editing, which is false. In reality, uh, we following the traditional model, meaning trade publishing, such as like the big four, Simon & Schuster, Penguin Random House, etc. There's a reason why we don't want to toss all of that methodology out because it allows us to have excellence and you need the sequence, the, the sequence of events in terms of different tasks. And a lot of um, so-called publishing experts, I was actually just writing about this in my book. Um, a lot of them say, you don't need that, or they just don't tell authors that they need it. They don't explain the publishing process. And so that's what can make a good book great, or even a mediocre book great, is that editing process. Um, and so, as you know, there's you've got a developmental editor that comes first. That's my job. I'm also known as a substantive editor. And we're the people who make sure a book actually works. This is not about spelling, punctuation, grammar, syntax. It's about does it flow? Does the tone work? Is it delivering on its promise? Are the stories working? What else do you need to prove this? Is the sequencing on track? A whole host of things that make a book actually do its job. And uh, that person is a developmental or also known as substantive editor. Self-publishing tends to cut that person out and not even mention that they exist. And that's a huge problem. And some so-called hybrids also cut it out. And so what happens is authors don't know what they don't know. And it's not their fault. But they don't know that actually you need that first editor and then a copy editor who is checking spelling, punctuation, grammar, formatting, syntax, word usage, some facts, etc. And even a third person who is a proofreader that's fixing all the typos that all the other editors missed because we're human. And so that's that's who that team makes um, even a bad book great, honestly. But you can't you can't cut corners. And so what is what do you think and and I know the answer to that, but I don't think that um, people listening to, to this do, what do you think about the um, people, I guess, services that promise, you know, write a book in 30 days and what's wrong with that picture? 
Well, we, I think we are only scheduled for an hour, but <laughs> what's wrong with that picture is so many things, or I don't even know, half an hour, however long, whatever amount of time we have, it's not enough. Um, there, there's two sides to it. One side is um, the creative side and ensuring that a book can get done. If someone writes a book in 30 days, no one is going to want to read that. You, you are going to read it. I don't want to read it. It's not going to stay on the shelf. It's in the bargain bin. You know, with an exception, maybe if it was, say, a 5,000 word book or a 10,000 word book. But even then, you wouldn't be able to finish all the editing. It's just not possible to get a great book out in 30 days. And it's, and it's not even really that possible to do a great first draft in 30 days. Maybe. But, it, but I would usually, if I get something like that, it's a teardown. We kind of have to start over. I think you can develop your book in 30 days. I think you can get ready to write your book and maybe get started on it, but there's so much pre-work that has to happen, as you know, to clarify message, to clarify reader, to get a transformational outline together that actually will work. That you could do in 30 days. Uh, but then there's the other side, Tatiana, which is all the business and selling opportunities that you miss out on if you try and get a book done in 30 days. You aren't going to be able to get the reviews you need. You aren't going to be able to get on some uh, podcasts and media opportunities in time. You can't get galleys together to get endorsements and do pre-work. You won't be able to have much time for a pre-order campaign. There's just a million things you won't be able to do. And certainly when you try and get something done so fast and get it to market really fast, then you cannot take advantage of trade distribution, which you have. And I know is really, really important. And not all authors are qualified for it or eligible for it, meaning it just doesn't make financial sense. But not understanding trade distribution is one of the biggest problems and disadvantages aspiring authors have. And I just actually taught this week in workshop where I'm the publishing week. And I have people in that class who are published authors several times over and they're in my workshop. They still didn't know about trade distribution and they were distributed. So it's, it's a huge, the problem is people don't know enough. And then there's a lot of people who kind of take advantage of the fact that they don't know enough. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and I'm very thankful that I came across your workshop. I actually, I don't know if you know this, but I, the idea of writing a book um, actually surfaced a number of years ago when I came across this guy who was selling his, I don't know what to call it, whether it was a course or I don't even know what it was, program, I guess, or whatever, um, where the actual writing of first draft, he said you can do it in 10 days or something like that, or whatever, like he was teaching you his methods and stuff. And so I didn't sign up for that course because I was like, like how, how do I even make this happen? I don't even have an idea mm -hmm. yet. But the I, the idea of the seed, I guess, was planted in my brain to someday write a book. And he made a, an interesting point, which I still remember, is that a book can serve to make you an ace. And A stands for authority, C stands for celebrity, and E stands for expert. And so that really stuck with me. And so initially, when I wanted to write a book, I was writing it to be the authority and expert in the field. Uh, whereas now, you know, through going through your workshop, I actually don't care about that. And so <laughs> I wrote a book that would actually change people's lives and um, all of that thanks to your to your book. But the thing um, is, Tatiana, you still got to be an ace in the end. Like if you write toward being an ace, 
then you're automatically going to, you're not going to make the same choices. But if you rate toward, I'm going to serve, I'm going to make sure I deliver on this. I am going to help people. I'm going to bust my butt to make sure that I connect with this reader and that I deal with their doubts and criticisms, that this makes sense for them, that I've given them everything they need for this. And when you do that, then you still get that outcome. But now you have a book that people really love and they want to tell people about instead of just a book that that you just got done, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so in terms of expectations, uh, can you talk a little bit about um, kind of managing people's expectations? And I'm one mm -hmm. of those people. So um, <laughs> in terms of just like what the journey of writing a book a good book is like time-wise time-wise yeah it's way longer than anyone thinks and you know if it can get you can get waylaid by life and that's that's what happens it's been happening to me honestly and i've been doing this for a really long time but it happens you know life gets in the way realistically you need at least a few weeks to develop your idea and that's if you have somebody helping you <laughs> and you you need you know cuz you need a sounding board but the writing process, I've, you know, I've had uh, students who have completed their entire first draft in the 14 weeks. So a person could, I would say reasonable, three to four months. If you have a really good outline you can work with, you can get a terrible draft done in three to four months. I mean, it's really not going to be good. But you're just getting it down on paper because how you make a book great is in editing, as you know. And then I would say realistically, you need at least three months to do the developmental substantive editing. And if you're doing nothing else, you could cut that time down. But if you have a life like you, kids, business, and so forth, you need to be realistic about that. Sometimes it can take even longer. It can take months and months and months. If you discover something, you know, or if the book needs more help than you thought, which is fine. It's okay if that's the situation, but your editor might need more time you know, depending on the, what's happening with that draft. Um, so realistically, minimum six, probably closer to nine months to try and get it ready to what we call production and publishing, which is when you move into copy edit mode. And then it's because we're no longer doing big stuff. We're just fixing stuff. So that process then is a few more months. And that depends on if what type of publisher you have. Awesome. Yeah. And so the, from the concept, just to give people an idea, because I had no idea that it takes so long, but if you, let's say you were going with a hybrid publisher, which is where you pay for the service and you still get the benefits of a traditional distribution. Um, what is the timeline from start to finish from the concept to the published book? From concept to published book, it could, you know, realistically you're looking at, you know, 16 months to two years it just because yeah. you just said concept so when you went into hybrid you had a draft right. so that's different you weren't you know you were working on it but you weren't starting from scratch that that process can take some time especially if you're on your own you know and so what is your favorite i guess if you have a favorite method of publishing um and just briefly talk a, a little bit about that so that people have an idea of what options they have? I don't really have a favorite. I think it's more about priorities and what matters to you. Um, there are three main pathways. The first that we most of us know about is called traditional publishing or trade publishing. And the thing many people don't realize is trade publishing 
can be a publisher of almost any size. We hear about the big ones like Penguin Random House and McGraw-Hill, et cetera, but there are mid-tier publishers that have a lot of power and ability in the marketplace. And then there's even small presses and they're easier to get deals with. You might not get a big advance, but you might be able to get more marketing help or other types of opportunities. So there are thousands of publishers there. We talk about the big four all the time, but really there's thousands. So a traditional publisher, that is going to be your longest timeline because in addition to trade distribution, which is the reason why it takes longer, because uh, you have a sales team with trade distribution that's actually trying to help create demand. And they have timelines. They have to pitch to the big box stores, to the chains, et cetera. And so you have to reverse engineer backwards. That's why it takes so long. People don't understand that. They say, oh, why do you want to do traditional publishing? It takes so long. Well, because you miss out on this other stuff, if you, you know, it's fine if you make that choice, but at least do it with the knowledge that you're missing out on having that trade distribution. That's why it takes so long. That and the develop the editing process, which is necessary. Really important for your listeners to know that uh, people may call themselves a traditional publisher, but if they charge you anything, literally a penny, they are not traditional publishers. Okay. Then there's self-publishing, which everybody seems to know about. And there's really the two ways to do self-publishing, DIY it, you know, build your own team, which you can do and, and get everything to market yourself. Uh, and then there's another option, which is a package. You can invest in somebody who's built the team for you, but you're still self-publishing. So you're not going through. Oh, and I forgot to mention, the other reason that the traditional publishing can take long is you often need to get an agent and then that agent sends you out on sub so that you can try and get a deal. So that is the, at the front end, a longer process. Hybrid is a combination of two, right? It's trade, meaning it has the standards of trade, the real hybrids, just to be really clear. A lot of people call themselves hybrids, but they're not telling you the truth. Um, a real hybrid, top tier hybrid, like the one that you have, has uh, veterans from traditional publishing who are putting you through the same rigorous process with editing, design, et cetera, understand positioning in the traditional market, have trade distribution, the whole shebang, can negotiate translation rights for you and all of those important things. The only difference is you're investing in it. And so that makes it a hybrid. Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing that. And in terms of book creating opportunities for you. Talk, uh, talk a little bit about what those opportunities could look like for someone who wants to write a book someday. What do you mean by book creating? Um, your book, your written book, creating mm -hmm. opportunities for you oh. outside of the actual book. Oh, so many. Well, obviously it's expanding your reach and expanding your following if that's something you want to do. I mean, a lot of authors don't want to have any monetization beyond that, but they're just trying to grow their profile, which it can be super effective in doing that. Your whatever social media following, your list, et cetera. But I think it's a, um, very helpful for speakers to raise their profile and get from, you know, workshops onto the main stage, that sort of thing. I also think it can help you with courses, programs, other offerings, get clients. 
And then, of course, uh, media opportunities are much more possible, everything from podcast to broadcast media. Awesome. And as we wrap up here today, can you talk a little bit about if someone is listening and they are thinking of writing a book, what could they walk away with? Uh, I mean, besides the information that you've shared, one thing that they can get started with today to help themselves write a better book. The number one thing they want to do is start being very clear about who, who is their reader. That's it. who is your reader. And to think about it, not in terms of demographics, but in terms of psychographics, specifically, who are my people? What do they want? And what's standing in their way? And then what you know about what they want and what's standing in their way is really the book. They might have a misperception about what is standing in their way. And you know, if they only understood this X, Y, Z, that they could get what they want, that's your book. So it's understanding who your reader is, what they want and what's in their way. That is the beginning of a great book. Awesome. Thank you. And now um, share where people can find and connect with you. Um, so that you know they can learn more about you, your work, and your workshop. Sure. AJHarper.com is an easy way to get me. Um, and I have, you know, I have social media, but the main the main deal is to go there to find out. You can sign up for a mailing list there where you'll hear about when the workshop is available, etc. Awesome. Uh, all right. Thanks so much for, for sharing some great tips uh, with with my uh, listeners and for, as always, bringing your great smile and uh, energy to the show. And everybody get Tatiana's book. It's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much, AJ. Thanks, Tatiana.